You're listening to the CFL 60 Podcast on TSN1290.ca. Join Darren Bombing every Monday night at 6 for CFL 60 on TSN 1290 Radio. Welcome inside CFL 60 on TSN 1290 as we look ahead to the 105th Grey Cup this coming Sunday in Ottawa. Now, before we dive into the show, just a note, I will be in Ottawa all week long along with Hustler and Rick Ralph here on the afternoon ride on TSN 1290, bringing you live coverage from Radio Row at Grey Cup 105 in our nation's capital. I'll have twice daily updates all week long, 8.45 a.m., 5.45 p.m., right here on your home of sports in Winnipeg and your home of the Grey Cup 105 in Ottawa, TSN 1290. Coming up on today's edition of CFL 60, we'll hear from Blue Bombers General Manager Kyle Walters as well as Head Coach Mike O'Shea. The voice of the Argonauts on TSN 1050 in Toronto, Mike Hogan will pop in and one of my favorites, TSN's Jermaine Franklin as we touch base on each of the East and West Division Finals. Now, let's get right into it. Heading into the East Division Final, many wondered, could the Rock be the first team in 10 division crossover occurrences to beat the East and punch their ticket to the Grey Cup game. Well, the game went down to the wire and then old reliable Ricky Ray, the future Hall of Famer, orchestrated some late game magic. So now, one of the coolest customers who's been here before for game winning drives, Ricky Ray. More than any other active quarterback, Ray Final score, Toronto 25, Saskatchewan 21. Ricky Ray's 67 passing yards on that final game-winning drive accounted for 25% of his total passing yardage for the entire game. Think about that for a second. Ray is now looking to become the first CFL starting quarterback to win four Grey Cups. Brandon Bridge came in in relief of Kevin Glenn a couple times, seemingly to alleviate the Argos pass rush, which was flying all afternoon. Now, there was a point in this game I really thought Saskatchewan was coming on strong when it mattered most. As the Riders, well, listen to this. They had one first down in a stretch of eight possessions until a seven-play drive that eventually stalled late in the third quarter, then a touchdown drive midway through the fourth, then a field goal drive to make it 18-13 Argonauts. And then Christian Jones takes a punt return back 79 yards for a touchdown to make it 21-18 Saskatchewan after a good two-point conversion before Ricky Ray 
came in and broke their back. Turnovers were critical in this one as it swung momentum back and forth throughout the game, including Terrence Plummer's 48-yard pick six for the Argos and Akwazi Awosu Ansa's interception as Kevin Glenn had one of those days that we're so familiar with here in Winnipeg. He threw three picks on just 13 attempts. So... Coming out of the East will be the Toronto Argonauts on Sunday evening in Ottawa. And then over to the West we went for a final in a battle of Alberta between the rolling Edmonton Eskimos, who entered the day victors of their last six games, and Calgary, led by Bo Levi Mitchell, who hadn't made a start in nearly three weeks' time. And his Stampeders, well, they were losers of their last three games coming out of the regular season. First down, right back in the hands of Finch. Look at the acceleration. It back, open field, Roy Finch inside the 10, and it's a touchdown, what a run by Roy Finch, it's a 50-yard Calgary touchdown. The turf inbounds, and Riley will plunge for the touchdown, and the Eskimos are back in it. Riley's got to create here. Goes over the middle, Zilstra again! He threw a strike to Brandon Zilstra, fourth catch, and back-to-back third-down conversion catches for Brandon Zilstra. Evil releases, time to throw underneath for Bowman with that straight arm, and Bowman forced out of bounds. They went third and ten at midfield, but now they're going to go change of strategy. Third and four, a little surprised by this. I am. Went for it the first third down and not this one. John Lake makes it. Now Jason Moss needs his defense. Back looking for a big return, something the Eskimos haven't got this year. A punt return touchdown. Smith drops it, lost it, and does Calgary have it? And yes, the Calgary Stampeders have the football. Pierre-Luc Caron, the long snapper, comes up with the football and that ticket to the nation's capital. How does Calgary Toronto in the 2017 Grey Cup sound? The three-game losing streak for Calgary's over, and the best in the West is headed to the Grey Cup. Calgary takes the West Division final 32-28 over Edmonton. The S had this game in their own hands as they were converting long third downs, including that long strike, 31 yards to Brandon Zilstra on third and 10, and then the decision from head coach Jason Moss that will be talked about for a very long time. His decision to kick a 20-yard field goal with roughly two minutes left when trailing by a touchdown. Let's hear from head coach Jason Moss as he was asked by reporters following the game. Well, can you go through the thought process of the uh, the last 40 seconds there or yeah, whatever? I mean, it was... I don't recall exactly how many, a minute, some on the clock when we decided to kick the field goal. Figuring I had a timeout, our defense gets a stop, we kick it deep, pin them deep, we, our defense gets a stop, we'd have at least around a minute to go to go down and, and score one touchdown and beat them. That's, that was the mindset. And, you know, um, it didn't turn out that way. And, I mean, you always look back hindsight if that was the right decision or not. I mean, I'll stick to my belief. I, I think we have faith in our whole football team that, you know, the defense was going to get the stop. The special teams was going to get the ball back for us. And then the offense would do their job and go down and score. That's the mindset, and that was the faith that we had. And ultimately, it didn't turn out that way. Do you have probably not much time to discuss these things at the moment? It's You needed a touchdown. The argument would be you needed a touchdown either way. Right. So I guess, do you have time to really flesh yeah, I mean, it out? You just, yeah, I mean, either way, you're right. And, uh you know, I, I felt I just felt like at that moment we could kick the field goal, 
you know, uh, have our defense stand on their head and get us the ball back with enough time, which we would have had plenty of time if they would have, if we would have done that, and uh, how we wanted it to work out, and then go down there and do what we felt like we could do. Um, but yes, you could say, well, if you felt that way about that situation, why don't you just go for it in third and five? And that's a fair question. But you know, we decided to go the other route, and it didn't work. And when it doesn't work. You know, there's questions to be asked, and uh, there's consequences to it as far as you could lose a ball game. And you know, it turns out that that's that was the case. You know, in hindsight, being 2020, do you regret the decision? I don't. I mean, I'll, will I will I look back on it and wonder? Maybe, but I will never regret it because I have faith in our football team, and that's what it was. It was a faith decision, saying your defense is going to get the stop, special teams going to get you the ball back, and your offense is going to go down and score again. I have faith that all three of those things can happen. We've proved in in different spots all year that those things can happen. Um, ultimately, in this one game, in this one moment, it didn't, and uh, you know. At the end of the day, we'll all live with it, and it'll go down as a loss. No doubt people in Alberta and, frankly, across the Canadian Football League will be questioning that call for years to come and what could have been. Now, in that game, Calgary started a little bit slow before shaking off the rust and getting it done. Roy Finch and Jerome Messam combined for 152 yards rushing as the Stampeders really opened up the playbook, and Kamar Jordan pulled in six passes from Bo Levi Mitchell for 111 yards receiving. So, here we are. The matchup is set. Toronto and Calgary will meet in the Grey Cup for the fourth time, with their previous Grey Cup matchups coming in 1971, 1991, and the last time was the 100th Grey Cup back in 2012. Calgary opens the week as seven-point favorites, and Toronto will serve as the home team, and it's interesting, actually, the East would have been the home team regardless, even if it had been another West team, that namely being the Saskatchewan Roughriders. But the Stampeders will surely have that bitter taste still lingering on their palates after last year's overtime upset at the hands of the Ottawa Red Blacks. Will Calgary's markedly different approach to the late season pay dividends? Well, TSN's Jermaine Franklin will join us to discuss the voice of the Toronto Argonauts on TSN 1050. Mike Hogan will join us as well, and we'll hear from Blue Bombers General Manager Kyle Walters. All that and more still to come on CFL 60. We are inside the Royal Sports Studio. You're listening on TSN 1290. This is the CFL 60 podcast on tsn1290.ca. CFL 60 is brought to you by fundingchange.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60 on TSN 1290. The Toronto Argonauts are emerging from the East Division to Grey Cup 105 in Ottawa this Sunday. Only one man I want to talk to about the Argonauts. That's the voice of the boatman on TSN 1050 in Toronto, Mike Hogan. Mike, how you doing, my friend? Very well. You Tell me, you would rather have me than Tressman or Pop? Seriously? Well, you know, I have questions for them, but I know you'll approach it objectively. <laughs> where Well, they uh, obviously have an MO uh, there you go. Uh, when it comes to that. But uh, let's talk about this game. A huge win for the Argonauts, and, and it was really a monumental comeback inside that final two minutes. Ricky Ray pulling some trademark late-game magic. Uh, a lot of people wondered, did he still have it in him? And when the game was on the line, Mike, uh, we saw Ricky at his best. It's funny because a year ago, you know, this will hit home where you're talking to me from because of the Drew Willie trade. Like, I mean, right. a year ago, everybody wrote him off, right? When the season ended, Drew Willie was number one on the depth chart, and everybody was saying, is Ricky going to play next year? Is Ricky going to be a backup? Is Ricky even going to come to compete for a job? He's done. He's old. His arm strength is gone. Mm-hmm. He's brittle. He's injury prone. So what does he do? Um, 5,500 yards, 25 touchdowns, 14 intercept or 11 interceptions, 
um, has statistically probably the best career of his 15 years in the Canadian Football League and leads him to a great cup performance. So, you know, there were the doubters, and boy, if Ricky Ray didn't silence even his most vocal critic, I, I don't know what he would have to do to do that because he was just exceptional this year. And as you mentioned on that last drive, is there anybody else you'd want in the huddle who's playing right now with yeah. that disposition to go in and calm everybody down and just say, okay, guys, let's go. And he's got S.J. Green, who's the same personality in there. For the younger guys, having those two veterans in that huddle, I think, was one of the main reasons they were able to go out and do what they did. Well, and you alluded to that preseason faith from Mark Tressman, from Jim Pop. Did that help Ricky a lot this year? Yes, his health, obviously, throughout the season was excellent. Uh, had that great year you mentioned, too. But there he was in week one, taking everybody by surprise with a 500-yard passing yeah. performance. Yeah, it's funny because he talked about uh, Milanovic when, when Scott left for Jacksonville or even at the end of the season when it was in question. And Ray was asked about him when it was locker clear-out day. And he said, I hope Scott is back. I hope I'm back. Scott is the best coach I've ever had, and it's not close. And that kind of caught everybody off guard a little bit. And now, to see the relationship he has with Tressman is just Milanovic 2.0. I mean, they think the game the same way. Ricky and Scott did. Ricky and Mark do, too. And it's just, I think that uh, Ricky and Mark have more of a similar personality and if that helps at all, that's got something. And it's just a different set of eyes on the same offense. So, you know, Ray could run what he wanted to run, and then Milanovic comes in, and now Ricky starts seeing an offense, through, a little bit of a different offense through a different set of eyes. And now he sees that same offense with some fine-tuning through a different set of eyes. And it opens up some things. And he's learned a lot uh, in the last five years of his career, which is odd to say. But just working with those two, he's, he's almost like a different Ricky Ray. And it, Boy, the, the success he's had with Mark Trestman this year is just, it's been fun to call, put it that way. No, no kidding. Mike Hogan at TSN 1050, the voice of the Argonauts, joining us on CFL 60 here on TSN 1290. Uh, how much of a surprise was it that Jim Pop and Mark Trestman were able to write this ship? Yes, a 9-9 nine and nine season, but East Division champions, and here they are uh, on the precipice of uh, a Grey Cup championship. Uh, does it, is it taking people by surprise they were able to uh, you know, amass the talent they did, organize a coaching staff in the short period of time that they did, and find the success, especially late in the season, because they won five of their last seven games. They didn't come in here until late February. Think about that. Yeah, The Argos had uh, Spencer Zimmerman, who was Barker's assistant last year, running the first couple of weeks of free agency. And he did well. I mean, he brought in uh, a couple. He brought in Rico Murray. He brought in uh, uh, Victor Butler, mm -hmm. among others. So that was a pretty good two weeks that he had. And then he flips the car keys over to Jim Pop, and then the fun stuff starts happening. And then, just before camp opens, he trades for Armani Edwards. Um, he brings back Marcus Ball. And then Bear Woods is released, right. and he drops in. So I'm looking at you know the, the roster, and, and you know what it's like when you're going through a preseason roster, and there's 1,700 names on it, and you're trying to figure out who these new guys are and who has a chance of sticking. And then guys start getting cut. And you start looking at the depth chart, and you're starting to look at it, and you're going, wow, look at this linebacking core all of a sudden. <laughs> wow, Cassius Vaughn looked really good in camp. Like, this doesn't seem like the same guy who was in Hamilton last year. Oh, they've got Rico Murray who can bounce around everywhere. This Victor Butler guy looks really good. Um, you know, this, this, this Wynn guy, Dylan Wynn, who's he? He right. looks really good. Right. And then you blink, and all of a sudden they've got, what, five all-stars on the, on the back end, and that doesn't even include um, Bear Woods, who was 
voted locally as the best defensive player they had. He didn't make All Star because of what Dean did down in Hamilton. So um, it's a it, the defense that they put together in a very limited amount of time is just unbelievable. It really is. You use the word unbelievable in sports, but if you looked at this roster in early March compared to what it is now. It is unbelievable they were able to get what they did. Now, the defense has been impressive, Mike, but but you know, back to the offense. Of course, this whole week ahead of Grey Cup, there's going to be a lot of conversation about Ricky Ray, 38 years of age, now at that 60,000 passing yard uh, plateau, or I shouldn't say plateau, but at least hitting that mark. I, I can't imagine him plateauing yet. Uh, the storybook ending, that would be winning a Grey Cup championship, riding off into the sunset, being the only starting quarterback in CFL history with four Grey Cup rings. How how much of a chance that might happen, or do you think Ricky's still hungry to play? I don't think he knows, to be honest. So yeah. Here's all I know about that. I know that Ricky has talked about his post-career career a little bit more than he ever has, and he's talked about coaching. He wants to get involved in coaching, probably at the CFL level. I, I, years ago, when I first met Ricky Ray, I thought he'd be very content to play until he couldn't play anymore, go back to Northern California and coach high school. Like that, that, that just seems to be his personality. Mm-hmm. But he loves this game so much. Um, he wants to be a part of it in the Canadian Football League. I don't know if he would want to do that, or he might want to do the John Elway and win a championship and then come back and win another one when everybody thought he was going to walk away. Um, he may be looking at Anthony Calvillo, who had five spectacular years with Mark Tressman from the age of 36 on. And, you know, does that mean that Ricky Ray still has a couple of more years left in him? If he gets hit as little as he had in the last seven games as opposed to the first uh, you know, ten or so, then he may want to come back. But I don't, you know, I don't know, and I know that's going to be asked a lot, and we'll, I don't think he'll say anything until the offseason because he's got to sit down with his wife and figure out what they want to do. It'll be a family decision, to be honest. The voice of the Argos, Mike Hogan at TSN 1050, joining us on CFL 60 here on TSN 1290. James Wilder, everybody had this man, uh, you know, front of mind uh, over the last month of the season as he was absolutely shredding defenses uh, by running the football. How much has he helped this Argonauts offense, or more so, more specifically, helping Ricky Ray turn this offense into much more of a, a dual threat? Oh, absolutely. You know, and it was it was nothing that Brandon Whitaker was doing either. You know, he had a thousand yards last year, and he's a great blocker. He's got good hands out of the backfield. Uh, but, the, you know, Mark Tressman told me uh, candidly once off mic, uh, he said, you know, please emphasize this on the broadcast. Uh, this is nothing to what Whitaker does, but he says, I've got this guy Wilder. I have to see what he's got. Right. I have to see what's there because I'm curious. And he puts him in and he runs for 170 yards, I think, in his first game. And it's like, okay, <laughs> that one worked okay. And he's just been that guy. He runs hard. Uh, Saskatchewan did a spectacular job against him on Sunday afternoon. Um, they did a, a, a pretty good job in two of the three games, and yet it was Wilder with a catch on a third down and five when he ran a wheel route, uh, something that nobody expected, uh, and he makes the catch, and that prolonged the drive, and that allowed them to get the game-winning touchdown. He's just he's able to catch the football. He's a great blocker. Um, the one thing they miss is him on special teams. He was arguably their best special teams player before he came the running back. He's just a beast. He's a physical specimen. He's that energetic personality. I don't think there's anybody who's ever met him who doesn't like him. Yeah. Uh, he's one of those guys that you pull for, and he's just been a difference maker on offense. He can block. He can catch. He can run. 
and he's got that attitude. So if you've got that, that really is a complete package. And it's really interesting, too, because a lot of people didn't know James Wilder was on the Argonauts roster all season and contributing on special teams. A lot of people thought, well, look at this guy. He's shredding the CFL. He must have just come from the National Football League. Yeah, uh, he was he was fantastic. And it's funny because Pop had him on the negotiation list in Montreal. Oh, really? And Montreal released him. They took him off the neg list, and Pop went, Yes, 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 and was able to uh, to coerce him into coming up to Canada. I think Wilder's a guy who just wanted to play again. When he was in Buffalo last year, I'll set this up by saying when he was in high school in Tampa, he was the number one recruited high school player in the country. Mm-hmm. And half of the D1 schools wanted him to be a running back. The other half wanted him to be a linebacker. He's oh. just a football player. In Buffalo last year, he realized he was never going to get on the field with uh, Shady McCoy in front of him. Sure. So he said, I'll change. I'll be a linebacker if you want. And they started working on that. And I think they were going to try that again this year. And Wilder just said, I just want to go play. So he came up to Canada because he wanted to play. And he started out by playing special teams, and he waited and he waited, and he finally got a chance to play running back. And when he did, he just jumped on the opportunity. He's that guy. When he signed, the next day he phoned the guy who runs the community uh, department with the Argos, who does the school visits and stuff, and says, I just signed with the Argos. How can I help? Jason Clare is the guy's name. He said he, he said he had no idea that the Argos had even signed him. He just got a random call from somebody he'd never heard of saying, can I help out with the community work? Um, that's the kind of guy Wilder is. So he's just he really seems too good to be true on and off the field. Mike Hogan joining us on TSN 1290 here in Winnipeg. Real quickly, Mike, as we let you go, and I'm sure you and I will get a chance to catch up uh, in Ottawa ahead of Grey Cup 105. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts because you're one of the most uh, tried-and-true football people that I know in football minds. Your thoughts on the Jason Moss decision to kick a field goal late in that West Final? I have a great deal of respect for, for Jason Moss. He was here in Toronto, got to know him a little bit when he was a uh, coach uh, here with Scott Milanovic. I think it was a dumb decision. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I don't know what he was thinking. I really don't. You know, uh, he's a likable guy. You want to give him the, the benefit of the doubt. I know a lot of people see that temper on the sidelines and wonder what's going on, but he's just, he's as competitive a guy as there is, even in his post playing career. Um, he's just, he's just firing. He just wants to win. And I don't know what he was thinking. I really don't. You've got a team that can run the football exceptionally well, especially in cold weather, and you want to give them another chance with the football uh, to run out the clock. I, just, I honestly don't know what he was thinking. We saw, you know, uh, yes, uh, sorry, on uh, on Sunday we saw the uh, the Argos go for it with Wilder right. um, on third down and five. Uh, that big catch, it was a gamble. It was out of field goal range. And I, I thought basically that Edmonton was in the same situation, uh, that, that, that they had to score the touchdown. The field goal never entered my mind when I was, uh, I was actually driving home from the stadium and had the game on the radio. Mm-hmm. And, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. I was listening to the Calgary crew. They couldn't believe what they were hearing. So I can imagine what it was like uh, for fans in Edmonton, for neutral fans across the country thinking, what's going on? And Calgary fans going, oh, thank you for doing that. So it was curious. It's uh, it's a learning mistake. It's just a very tough time. Uh, to make that kind of mistake, and I think everybody agrees it was it was a coaching error. Yeah, and it was quite a way to cap uh, two exciting uh, division finals in the CFL. Mike, always appreciate the time. Love talking football with you. Uh, keep up the good work. We'll see you in Ottawa. Okay, absolutely. We'll have uh, we'll have breakfast at the FRC dinner. How's that? Sounds good to me. Thanks, Mike. Okay. Mike Hogan will be working the sidelines for the broadcast across the TSN radio network on Grey Cup Sunday. And you'll, of course, be able to hear it live right here on your radio home of the 105th Grey Cup, TSN 1290. Coming up next on CFL 60, we'll hear from Blue Bombers general manager Kyle Walters, what he saw from his club in 2017 and the work that still lies ahead for next season. 
And the GM also had some very interesting comments on the current CFL East and West Division format, with his club finishing the regular season with the CFL's second best record at 12 and 6, and then having to face another 12 and 6 team in the first round of the playoffs with no bye like the 9 and 9 Toronto Argonauts enjoyed. You don't want to miss it. This is CFL 60 on TSN 1290. This is the CFL 60 podcast on tsn1290.ca. CFL 60 is brought to you by fundingchange.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60 on TSN 1290. We've talked about the East Division. Let's move over to the West. Bring in TSN's Jermaine Franklin making his debut on CFL 60. Jermaine, how are you? Ah, uh, yeah. Feeling good. Feeling good. <laughs> Awesome, man. Uh, that was a heck of an East, uh, pardon me, a West Division final between the Stampeders and the Edmonton Eskimos. Let's start with the conversation everybody is having, not just in Alberta or in the West, uh, but really coast to coast right now as we look ahead to Grey Cup 105. Your thoughts on Jason Moss's decision to kick a field goal with his team trailing by seven points and two minutes left on the clock? <laughs> man, uh, tough to defend it. Tough to defend it. Um, I was shocked especially the fact that they already made it um, on a third and ten, and they made it with flying colors. I believe it was a great strike to Zilstra, and now they're on the four-yard line. They need seven to tie it up at the minimum, um, and they decide to kick the three points. It's, it's, still, it's still hard to figure out only because, one, it's Mike Riley. He's the guy that carries you. Right. You don't want to take the ball out of his hands. And, and two, um, Man, like, there wasn't that much time left. I know the final three minutes takes forever because of stop time, but, but it just didn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, I was talking about it with colleagues today, and I'll, I'll shut up and let you talk again, Darren, soon. But uh, I was, we were talking, and I said, you know what? This just shows. You don't, never know. You just never know how you're going to react when you're truly under that kind of pressure, when it really is all on you and it's your decision. You never really know how you're going to react mm-hmm. and um the way that he chose to to take a field goal that in close um boggles my mind but i've never been in that kind of position and who knows what what's racing through uh jason moss's mind uh, at that moment well and, and in the end jermaine they're the football coaches they're the ones that have lived and breathed and 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 worked in this sport uh for years Guys like you and me, we just talk about the game. We're not qualified to do what they do. And what I've seen, actually, is is a very similar uh, mentality and an approach to the game of football and approach to head coaching between two people that are, are very close friends in Jason Moss and Winnipeg Blue Bombers head coach Mike O'Shea. And, uh, you know, O'Shea has made some questionable in-game decisions, not just this season, but last season as well, and, and namely uh, a 61-yard field goal attempt from Justin Medlock in that West Division semifinal in Vancouver. Vancouver last year, uh, the similarity yeah. I see between Moss and, and O'Shea is that when asked about it after the game by media doing our jobs is that, you know, he stuck, you know, he stuck by, he stuck to his guns. He stuck to the decision he made and he says he did not regret it. Yeah, it's true. It's true. He, and he did go what was going through his mind, why he made those, those kind of decisions, made that decision. But it's still... It's still tough. The only reason why, and like I, I preface this by saying I am not qualified uh, to be a head coach uh, professionally, heck, even minor, minor <laughs> football. But when it comes to it, uh, Moss said he trusted his defense, 
if that was the case, if they came up short, you got to trust your defense to make a two and out while the stamps are on their own four yard line. And then they'd either have to give up a safety or kick it out. And you know, it wouldn't be uh, very far because the wind was against them. It was just an interesting and peculiar decision altogether. But the stamps are the Western Conference champions and they're headed to Ottawa to see if they can get the job done this time around. No doubt. And you and I will be there as well. Jermaine Franklin, uh, TSN's uh, Calgary Bureau reporter, joining us on CFL 60 here on TSN 1290. Uh, coming into this game, a lot of people were wondering what sort of Calgary Stampeders team we would see. Losers of their last three games of the regular season, of course, that Week 20 loss to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, starting Andrew Buckley, sitting down a couple guys, but they had a lot of their roster there. Uh, did the Stampeders handle their late season schedule the right way, or will we not know that until the final gun uh, this coming Sunday in Ottawa? Um, I think uh, I think you can make the decision now. They definitely handle it the right way only because they won. Um, if you were to ask me that, that question after that 69-yard strike to Darrell Walker <laughs> <laughs> to make it 14-0 uh, just minutes into the, into the first quarter mm-hmm. of, of the West Final, I might have given you a different answer. But they really did get it together, and you could tell that the Stampeders were the more rested team. You could tell that they had a much bigger playbook uh, compared to their opponents, not because Edmonton doesn't have a big playbook, but because the Stampeders had a ton of time to prepare. I mean, when you put an offensive lineman as a tight end and Dan Federkow and, and uh, make a huge gain out of that, yep. you know they, were, they had more time than they needed, and they were beyond um, uh, limited, limiting their playbook. So in that sense, uh, you knew they were prepared um, I think Jerome Messam is another uh, example. He was banged up. He was banged up. He had a terrible end to the season. Mm-hmm. I think he averaged 3.2 yards in his last four games. Uh, and that might have been, that might even be giving him a, a yard or two. But when it really mattered and his body was right, uh, Messam came to play and his touchdown just carrying the pile, uh, those last four yards just shows you, um, how much energy and how much rest they had. And they didn't overdo it in those last three weeks. The extra week gave them time to get healthy. And I think that was a huge difference uh, between the Stampeders and the Edmonton Eskimos when it came right down to it. Jermaine, I'm glad you brought up Jerome Messam because he had that tough game in Week 20 against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Couldn't get his feet underneath him, uh, you know, in that cold and that snow at uh, at McMahon Stadium. But he and Roy Finch combined for over 150 yards rushing in this game. A really nice uh, compliment to Bo Levi Mitchell and, and what he brings. We really did see the playbook open up a little bit in this game after you know three weeks of uh, you know not just Dave Dickinson but the entire coaching staff in Calgary really dialing things back, kind of playing vanilla brand football. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they, they definitely closed their playbook down to just a few plays in those last three weeks. As soon as they, uh, clinched the West, um, they clinched, they held tight fit, tight fisted on their playbook and didn't mind those losses. We could see that now. Roy Finch, the one thing that Dave Dickinson said, and I, I appreciate having him as a head coach because he does tell the truth perhaps more than, than other coaches, but you always hear football coaches. So you can't worry about tomorrow. You can't think about tomorrow. you got to play to win the game today. But Dave Dickinson kind of said, you know, Roy Finch, we knew what kind of, we know what kind of weapon he is, but he's not the biggest guy, and we kind of saved him throughout the season. We didn't use him too much on offense. We wanted to make sure he was healthy, and he did end up getting banged up, but they made sure that he was healthy before he came back before the last game of the season. 
And then all of a sudden you're seeing Roy Finch in the backfield taking pitches, uh, taking receptions, and you're like, wow, this is what the offense could look like if you saw more of them. But they saved them. They didn't go for the for that sixth win <laughs> in Hamilton, for, per se. They saved them. They knew what they had. They trusted that they would not only make the playoffs, but probably make uh, get the West Final after they had such a great start and won 11 in a row. And then now we're seeing what this, this offense can do. And now, now, if you're the Argos, you have to prepare for two types of backs. Right. And if you prepare too much for one, you give them one look, well, they're going to go with the other. So it's, uh, it's interesting, and it is uh, kind of brilliant on their part. We'll see if it works out. Yeah, Roy, uh, one last week of the season. Roy Finch, so electric, so dynamic uh, in space. Not saying anything about uh, you know his return game. Of course, Roy Finch up uh, the West Division nominee for most outstanding special teams player this season. Jermaine Franklin, CFL on TSN, uh, covering the Stampeders all season long in Calgary. Joining us here on CFL sixty on TSN twelve ninety. Tell me this, Jermaine, has Bo Levi Mitchell been one hundred percent healthy this year? What has he been? You know, has he been dealing with something because he looked pretty good in the West? final but you know there was kind of rumblings talking about quote-unquote it how it feels through this last month or two of the season yeah that it would be a sh- uh, throwing shoulder and no he is he is not 100 percent um and he has admitted it earlier in the season but now they just don't talk about it much uh anymore because the the fact of the matter is darren is you know what he's playing <laughs> if you're playing yeah. you better play to win and you better there's no excuses and that's the thing, and I, I wonder, because for something to bother bother him for as long as it has now, um, I wonder if it's not more, if it's not too serious, if it's, if it's fixable uh, without surgery. That's the next question. Is it something that can honestly heal on its own, or is it something he's going to have to deal with uh, for the rest of his career, slash, uh, until surgery and a full 100% recovery from that? So I, I think that's something we're going to hear about in about two weeks. Two weeks' time, or maybe we should say uh, six or seven days' time. But for now, um, it's safe to say that Bo Levi Mitchell isn't quite 100%, but he is definitely healthy enough to play. And if you're healthy enough to play, you better consider yourself healthy enough to win. And uh, to his credit, he hasn't used it as an excuse at all. But you know he hasn't had the type of season uh, that we saw him have last year. Well, and no doubt they need him. What we saw from Andrew Buckley and Ricky Stanzi late in the season, it's it's bow or no go uh, for the yeah, Calgary Stampeders. Exactly. Uh, headed into a Grey Cup game, the Calgary Stampeders were there last year, heavy favorites as they are once again, opening this week as, as seven-point favorites over the Toronto Argonauts. Is there still a bitter taste in their mouth from last year, that overtime thriller that we saw in Toronto? Are they going to take a different approach this season than they did last year? Absolutely a bitter taste in their mouth. Absolutely. They're open about it. A different approach? I'm not exactly sure. Um, Bo Levi did say that he might uh, turn down uh, the odd uh, request or two just to make sure that he's, that, he's, uh, that he's ready and game ready. But one thing about Bo Levi Mitchell was he had an awful first half. Um, he had an awful first half in that, in that Grey Cup game. And they did recover to ha- have a chance to win the game. They tied it, ended up losing it in overtime. Um, don't expect to see that again. And if you do, then there's a then you can really wonder what this guy is all about in the big games. Remember, he's won one already. He did it in uh, Vancouver uh, when they beat Hamilton, and then all of a sudden uh, he had that terrible first half against the the uh, Red Blacks last year, mm-hmm. and 
So the question marks are still there. The one thing he admitted to was he thought he knew what he was going to get uh, with the Red Blacks the defense. Um, of course, Rick Campbell, he, he was a disciple of the of the Stampeders, so he probably thought he knew exactly what he was going to get. Right. He didn't, he didn't see that in the first half, and it took him much longer to adjust than he thought. So, uh, so yes, there's a bitter taste and approach. Uh, not much different, but I think you'll see uh, just a more focused, if that's possible, team uh, this week. Well, Jermaine, it's set to be a great game. Grey Cup 105, Canada's 150th birthday. We're in the nation's capital. Uh, you'll be there all week. Uh, maybe you can uh, pop in again and join us on TSN 1290. Thanks for this. Uh, we'll definitely have you back again on uh, CFL 60. Awesome, Dan. Thanks for having me. And I'm thinking, maybe you can give me some advice. I'm thinking of packing my skate. Sure. Maybe there'll be time to skate on Parliament Hill or the... The Rideau. Yes. You know what I'm saying? I'm down with that, man. Hey, if, if we can hold hands, mittened hands, <laughs> well, and well, skate well, down the Rideau... Well, we can share on Beaver <laughs> maybe. I'm down with that. Holding hands? Sounds good to me. Let's slow down. <laughs> Thanks, Jermaine. Appreciate it, buddy. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, Jermaine Franklin, one of my favorites. Maybe I'll find somebody to hold hands with me while we skate down the Rideau Canal in Ottawa ahead of Grey Cup 105. When we come back, we'll hear from Blue Bombers General Manager Kyle Walters, a comment from Mike O'Shea on the Blue Bombers' defense. That's still to come here on CFL 60 on TSN 1290. This is the CFL 60 Podcast on tsn1290.ca. CFL 60 is brought to you by fundingchange.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60 on TSN 1290. We're inside the Royal Sports Studio. If you missed any of the program earlier, including my conversations with the voice of the Argos on TSN 1050, Mike Hogan, or TSN's Jermaine Franklin, who covers the Stampeders out in Calgary, check out the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud. You can find us, as well as all of our great programming here on the station, on tsn1290.ca. Click the show tab, and you can find us there as well. Now, Kyle Walters, general manager of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, gave his season-ending press conference late last week, and he had some very interesting comments talked about free agency talked about the job his team was able to uh, accomplish this year under head coach Mike O'Shea but uh, he really seemed to react strongly and emotionally strongly when I asked him about the current CFL division format with the east and west the crossover and of course finishing first place like the Toronto Argonauts did in the east at nine and nine gets you a bye in the first round of the playoffs and then you'll host that division final um, at home uh, in the second round here is general manager Kyle Walters on the east and west division it's funny it's, it's frustrating um, you know if I can be perfectly honest it's frustrating from an organizational standpoint where uh, we finished with 11 wins last year and, and were awarded with a trip to a, a 12-win football team. Um, we've, we've finished with 12 wins this year, second best record in the CFL, uh, and our reward is playing another 12-win team that is rolling and completely healthy and, and a, a damn good football team. So, um, you know, if if you were to rank, if you were to rank it, or if we were in the East, we would have been, you know, we would have been hosting in the Eastern Final the last two years. So, uh, yes, it's frustrating, especially when organizationally we're rightfully so we're 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 being held accountable for not winning a playoff game. Um, you know, people are potentially going to lose their jobs because of our inability to win Grey Cups, for example. Uh, and you look at it now and go. Mm. Yeah, but we're you know we're the second best team in the CFL this year, and we're hosting a playoff game. Um, back in 2011, if if things were the same, we would have we would have hosted the last two Eastern Finals. So um, 
it is what it is, and it's not complaining. And our job is to go beat Edmonton and then go on the road and beat Calgary. But, but yeah, as with the second best record in the CFL, it's frustrating that you know you look you look at the the overall rankings of the regular season right now, and I think you'll have the number one team hosting the number three team, and the number five team hosting the number four team. So when you're the when you're not playing. You get a little pissy about it, and, and, and you know, a week after losing, you're still a little grumpy about it, but it is what it is. But uh, frustrating, I guess, would be the word. Sorry. Well, just out of uh, curiosity, do you, have an, do you have an answer for that? I mean, you've been in this league for, for a long time. No, as I said, the guys, the guys above me, you know, you, you, you play the schedule that you're played, and you, you go where you're to go. And, and you know, we, we put together 12 wins, and, and the, the hand we drew in the playoffs was was play Edmonton at home, and we didn't get the job done, and that's that. Do you, do you, are you a traditionalist? Like, do you like the East West sides, or do you? Well, I like for me. About maybe yeah, I mean, I, I guess selfishly, I like hosting a division final with a bye week prior with the second best league in the CFL. That's what I like this year. Ah. You know, I don't know. As I said, these are these discussions are for smarter guys than me up top. I mean, we're just fo- we're just football guys, and you do what you're told and play who you're supposed to play. Um, and you know, the, uh, it doesn't matter where you play or who you play. You're supposed to win the football game, and we didn't. That's the bottom line. But you can still be, as I said, you can still get a little bit frustrated uh, when you're thinking about it, big picture wise, of what I'm held, held accountable, but what Mike's held accountable for, what his staff is held accountable for, which is wins playoff wins and of course those playoff wins in particular the last two seasons here in winnipeg are still eluding the winnipeg blue bombers losing in the west division semifinal in vancouver last year losing at home to the red hot edmonton eskimos here in winnipeg this season what's interesting is the more people you talk to the more people are convinced maybe one division format is the better route to go in the canadian football league Enter Halifax, and there being some interest there now, very preliminary stages of a 10th CFL franchise entering the league in the next few years. One thing is for sure, having a football guy like Randy Ambrosi definitely helps. A Winnipeg native, University of Manitoba Bison football player, and Grey Cup champion with the Edmonton Eskimos and long time in the Canadian Football League, having a football guy like Randy Ambrosi in charge could serve the Canadian Football League well when it comes to situations just like this. And Kyle Walters was asked, will he lobby the commissioner for one division? Yeah, I guess this is this is why we have these meetings and, and you know the 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 that level has their reasons and again it's you know a lot of it has to do with um, What's for the good of the league? You know what what the league wants from a, a fan base, a um, butts and stands, a monetary value, and, and as I said, that 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 again trumps me saying I wish we had a buy this week. You know you know what I mean for the for what's the good of the league? You do what you're told, and and, and yes, it's it's my comments here are based as much out of frustration than what I really care about. What's good for the league? Truth be told, and that's why. Uh, the commissioner and then that level of guys will make decisions what's good for the league and if that's what's good for the league then we should have just beat Edmonton yeah sure beating Edmonton in the West Division semifinal would solve a lot of problems but Winnipeg again finished in the CFL with the second best record in the league 
And now they would have to travel to Calgary and play the best team in the Canadian Football League in the Stampeders before getting a chance to reach the Grey Cup. Well, that aside, we'll continue to monitor that in the weeks, months, and years ahead. Kyle Walters was asked about free agency this season. A lot of work to do. They've already signed two offensive linemen in starting right tackle Jamarcus Hardrick, veteran Canadian Patrick Newfeld, and Derek Jones, who has been a huge contributor on special teams over the last five seasons since being a mid-round draft pick of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but still ahead, they have to sign players like Stanley Bryant, who is up for the CFL's Most Outstanding Offensive Lineman Player Award this year, uh, as well as many key contributors on defense, including Chris Randall, Maurice Leggett, TJ Heath, who were all All-Stars, as well as Jamal Westerman and Ian Wild. And how about Justin Medlock? He has been reportedly making somewhere in the range of $175,000 per year. He hinted following the season that he is considering potentially retiring from professional football. Does he want to play in Winnipeg? Does he want to play somewhere else? Or does he want to play at all still to be considered moving forward? General Manager Kyle Walters was asked about his free agency this coming offseason. I don't know that, that because of where we're at, I think regardless if you know, in the first couple of years where we weren't very good, I'll tell you the decisions were much easier back then approaching what we do with our roster at this time of the year because at that, at that time it'd be like yeah we're not very good and our record indicates we're not very good we need to overhaul everything and we need to go get free agents we need to have better scouts we need to have better draft picks it's you know we need help everywhere you look at this group now in the offseason plan as well we we have a solid group we're, we're really close and I think the players believe it I think I believe it uh, I hope the fans believe it that that this is a close team to getting where we need to be which means uh, you, the decisions become uh, the decisions become harder when you look at your roster because there's fewer of them that you know there's there's this core group that who plugs in where and why and you've got your list of potential free agents for example and instead of just yeah we, any of them geez just get any of them that will be better it's now let's let's be right and target the one or two that we want that can really help us get to that next level so um, the decision making process is is much more difficult because there's fewer of them less room for error i would say i like the way the general manager put that less room for error when you're this close to where you want to be 12 and 6 playoff appearances the last two seasons the core of this team is here you have the quarterback you have the league's leading rusher add a couple pieces here and there in my opinion at wide receiver and at linebacker and then maybe some changes on the defensive approach to the game and this Blue Bombers team could be where they say they want to be every single year the goal is one thing it's the Grey Cup you're listening to CFL 60 on TSN 1290 This is the CFL 60 podcast on TSN1290.ca. CFL 60 is brought to you by FundingChange.ca. Welcome back inside CFL 60 here on TSN 1290. We're inside the Royal Sports Studios. Want to give a big up to my man, Sean Asor. Done great work all season here on the ones and twos at TSN 1290 headquarters. And a big thank you, as always, goes out to Funding Change, the new old way to fundraise. Check them out at fundingchange.ca and bluebombers.com slash 5050 to get your away game 5050 tickets next season. Big thanks to my guest today, Jermaine Franklin at TSN, as well as Mike 
Mike Hogan, the voice of the Argos on TSN 1050 for joining me. If you missed any of the program, you can catch it on the podcast on TSN 1290.ca. Find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. Search CFL 60. The matchup is set. Grey Cup 105 in Ottawa is less than a week away, and we here at TSN 1290 will be live in Ottawa on Radio Row all week long. I'll have daily updates 8.45 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every day, and I'll be in with Rick, Ralph, and Hustler on the afternoon ride here on your home of sports in Winnipeg, TSN 1290. And we will be back. The final edition of CFL 60 goes next Tuesday night following the game uh, between the Calgary Stampeders and the Toronto Argonauts. We're really looking forward to it. I know you are too, so be sure to join us right back here on TSN 1290 Tuesday night as we break down the 105th Grey Cup. I'm Darren Bombing. We'll see you next week. Enjoy the 105th Grey Cup. You're listening to the CFL 60 podcast on TSN 1290.ca. Join Darren Bombing every Monday night at 6 for CFL 60 on TSN 1290 Radio.